Well, good morning again. And like Bill said, my name is Matt Johnston. I'm the pastor of Student Ministries, and I am especially glad to be preaching uh, and be up here this morning on a morning where we have uh, child dedications. As a, as a pastor and a father, seeing child dedications uh, are so great and so uh, encouraging. And I love seeing and hearing the, the prayers and the hopes uh, that not only our church has for these kids, but the parents have for their kids as well. As a parent, it's encouraging uh, to know that I'm not crazy for wanting my kid to be, to be set apart and to be living for the Lord and taking their faith seriously. And as a pastor, it's encouraging to know that we've got families who uh, understand, and we've got parents who understand the role that they play in the, the spiritual development, the discipleship of their kids' lives, and that they are taking that role seriously. And it's especially powerful on a morning when we make these, uh, when we do these child dedications. It's especially powerful on a morning where we are studying and we are uh, talking about the significance of words. And here we are in the midst of our Ride the Wave series where we are going through the book of Proverbs and looking at Proverbs as a guide to find abundant life. A life that flourishes with honoring God and others with our actions and our thoughts, and specifically this morning, like I said, our words. Words, when spoken out loud for the sake of performance, for example, are like music. They have pitch and rhythm and timber and volume, and these are the properties and elements of music. And music has the ability to find us and to reach us and lift us in ways that literal meanings cannot. Music is beautiful, and words are beautiful, and words can convey emotion. They can convey displeasure, anger, or even insecurity. But thankfully, words can also communicate and convey affection and passion and encouragement. And of all the things that words do, I don't think there's any uh, more important or more valuable than the words words ability to make us laugh. Words said in the right way at the right time by the right person can make even the most hardened person erupt in laughter. Stand-up comedians are awesome. They're experts at this with their storytelling and their timing and their word selection. Whereas pastors only wish that they were experts at that. And friends, friends, we all have a friend or two, hopefully, that has a knack to make us laugh to... uh, sort of bring some levity to a rough day or ease the tension in an awkward conversation. And kids, kids are experts at being funny with their words. And sometimes they don't even know that they are experts at this. I found a video clip where a little boy uses his words to offer sage advice while being hilarious at the same time. So check this video clip out. Yes. I think from time to time we all need a nap, don't we? Kids anyway, at least they are, they are even funnier when they are not trying to be funny. My kids, my kids, for instance, can say things and do things that just absolutely bust me and uh, Caroline up. We just can absolutely uh, erupt in laughter. Uh, for instance, uh, Evangeline 
uh, our two-year-old, she can say things in her cute two-year-old way that just absolutely get to me and Caroline. She'll say stuff, and she's not meaning to be funny, and she's absolutely serious, but she'll say something, and Caroline and I will just look at each other, and we will try so hard not to laugh right in her face, because what she said was just so awesome and cute. And Elizabeth, our, our six-month-old, um, she, of course, can't talk, but her, her gurgling and babbling uh, is just so adorable, and really Uh, With those abilities, she could just run the world if she wanted to. And I know what you're thinking. The answer is no, those are not fake glasses. Those are her reading glasses. She's very advanced and reading (laughs) at a kindergarten level already. But their words just affect me. They They get to me. And other people's words have a way of sticking with us and getting to us. Have someone else's words stayed with you? Have they shaped you? Have they remained with you even years after you have heard them? Have someone else's words become a part of your story? The answer is yes, of course they have. In some form or fashion, we all bear the weight of words that have been spoken to us. But hopefully, hopefully, We also rest in words of life that have been spoken into us as well. Words of encouragement and words of comfort and words of love. And we all have people in our lives whose words, when spoken to us, they just, they get us. The people get us, the words get us. They get us laughing. Or that person can just speak just the right word to bring comfort or encouragement, or give advice. But that sword cuts both ways. And unfortunately, many of us, if not all of us, have people in our lives who, whose words don't get us, they get to us, and they hurt. And that when we are with them and we speak to them, it, it evokes in us pain, sadness, anger, annoyance, discouragement. One way or another, we have all had a front row seat, a firsthand experience to the power and beauty of words. Words both spoken and unspoken. We have all seen this. We have all experienced it. And no doubt, language and speech is something very powerful and special. Even God used words to speak all of creation into existence. God has given us the gift of words. And when God gives gifts, he also offers wisdom in how to best use his gifts. So what does God have to say about our words, about their power, and how to control and wield that power? We are in the midst, like I said, of our Ride the Wave series where we are discovering God's plan to live wisely. Live wisely so we can flourish in and master this life. So when it comes to living wisely, what does it look like to use our words? What does that look like? The truth is, as simple as it sounds and as simple as it's going to look, to live wisely means using our words wisely. And more to the point, to live wisely, use the power of words wisely. So for those of you who love to fill in blanks and are dying for that slide to come up, our big idea is to live, to live wisely, use the power of words wisely. 
the scriptures and especially the Proverbs, as they'll be focused on uh, particularly this morning, are rich with wisdom and how to conduct ourselves in the use of our words and the, understanding the far-reaching ramifications of those words. So you can go ahead and open up your Bibles to Proverbs 12 or open up your Bible apps to Proverbs 12. If you don't have um, a Bible, you can go ahead and uh, use the, the black Bible on the rack in front of you. And in our, our passage is on 600, page 639. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to take that one home. Well, Proverbs 12, starting in verse 13, we really could read all of Proverbs 12. Uh, but we'll focus on 13 through 23 uh, this morning. So Proverbs 12, uh, verse 13. Evildoers are trapped by their sinful talk, and so the innocent escape trouble. From the fruit of their lips, people are filled with good things, and the work of their hands brings them reward. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. An honest witness tells the truth, but a false witness tells lies. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. Deceit is in the hearts of those who plot evil, but those who promote peace have joy. No harm overtakes the righteous, but the wicked have their fill of trouble. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. The prudent keep their knowledge to themselves, but a fool's heart blurts out folly. Reading through Proverbs and linking ideas from these couplets can be a little bit tricky, but we'll work through them together to find these threaded ideas, these consistent themes uh, from these verses. We'll be pulling in some New Testament uh, verses in a little bit, but I want to start with looking at Uh, Verse 18, the first part of verse 18, that says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. So we see here that words have the power to destroy. Words have the power to destroy. And however you would like to say it, kill, ruin, crush, attack, deflate, the the reality is, is that words have the power to destroy. And when used recklessly, words can leave destruction in their wake. Destruction of careers or relationships or marriages or even entire families. Words both spoken and unspoken can tear apart relationships and can eradicate trust and defile an otherwise beautiful blessing. Words like, are you going to wear that? A real man could do it. What kind of mom can even handle being with her kids all day? Words can bring destruction. And for many of us, this is not a recent experience. We have heard words that bring destruction and we have received these words and perhaps even spoken them our entire lives. And for many of us, there are, are words from our, from our younger years or in the past that still ring in our ears, still even to this day. As a young kid for myself and into uh, adolescence, I struggled with, uh, with my weight. And not only uh, being overweight, I was also uh, pretty tall for my age. I was six feet tall by the time I was in sixth grade. And so on the playground, it was pretty easy to, to pick me out. So just physically speaking, uh, I just drew a lot of attention to myself. And even though I was 
uh, a pretty nice guy and uh, generally uh, well-liked. I wasn't, I wasn't protected all the time from being made fun of and being insulted. And, and one of the most common ways that I got made fun of was taking my first name and then rhyming it with one of the most obvious physical attributes I had. So I was, I was called Fat Matt fairly routinely throughout my childhood. And it didn't happen all the time. It wasn't a daily, it wasn't a daily thing. But those words still hurt. They stung. And even as they bounce around in, in my memory, it can still tap into some, um, some pain and some hurt that lingers. And maybe for you, you have a similar story from, from your past in, in ways people spoke things to you that hurt then and maybe even still bring up and evoke hurt and pain even now. Or maybe it was something that has been spoken to you more, more recently as an adult. For me, an example of a more recent, uh, a more recent example of being uh, spoken to in this way, in a way that, uh, in 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 a way, uh, brought destruction in my life. Um, while I was a high school pastor at uh, at another church a few years ago, um, there was a, a mom in the youth group who who had a daughter who was making some really bad uh, life decisions, and the way she was behaving was just foolish, and it was self destructive, and it was just bad bad times. And the mom was obviously very saddened and frustrated by this. And in searching for justification, why her daughter would be acting this way, her conclusion was that it was because of me. And it was the way that I ran the youth ministry. And so it was the way that I ran the youth ministry that, that pushed her daughter away. And the reason that her daughter uh, left the church and, and turned from God, and I was the reason, and the youth ministry was the reason why her daughter was now acting out in the way that she was. And so this mom called a meeting between herself and me and my supervising pastor. And so we met in my pastor's office. We sat around a table, and she used some very choice words, words that she had obviously spent time thinking about and words that were, also, were obviously coming from a place of deep pain and hurt. And she did say a lot of things, but one of the things that she said that stuck out most to me, that stung the worst, was that when she, she looked at me, she looked at me very calmly, but very intently, with a finger in my face and said, you are not called to be a pastor. And that hurt, and that stung, and that cut deep. And it, and it spoke to and touched on deep insecurities that I had. Now I'm grateful on this side of the exchange, on this side of the pain, that I'm able to recognize that those words of destruction, those words of hurt, said more about the pain that she was in the midst of and the pain that she was feeling rather than speaking truth about my calling. And as the old adage goes, hurt people hurt people. And so I can recognize that she was in a very difficult place and she was going through a lot and she was lashing out, but that does not mean that her words in the moment did not hurt any less. Words are like a bell that cannot be unrung. Once violent words are spoken by the reckless, their destruction has been wrought. You are not called to be a pastor. A real woman cares about her appearance. How worthless are you? Who could ever love you? 
Boys don't cry. Should you eat that? Ugly, freak, weak, stupid. Words can destroy. Words of the reckless pierce like swords. And no matter what these words are that have been spoken to you, and I'm going to bet that all of us have received words that cut deep like this, in thinking about how to move forward and how to heal and how to process and how to, how to gain healing from this, first consider the source, consider the context. Are these words coming from a spouse or a coworker or a family member or a friend or someone in your life group? Perhaps your first step is to have a bold, direct conversation, to be vulnerable, to open up in a safe way and let that person know or people know how their words affect you. Or perhaps you've already done this. Maybe you've already had this direct, bold conversation and it's been tried and it fell on deaf ears. So maybe it's time to go to a counselor or bring in a trusted friend or your supervisor at work or go to a pastor for guidance and for counsel. Or maybe these words of destruction are not coming from other people, but they are coming from yourself. Maybe you self-talk and your self-talk brings about self-destruction. And you've got these internal tapes rolling in your head and all you know is how to put yourself down. And how to speak these words of destruction to yourself. Maybe because that was all that you heard growing up. And if this is you perhaps uh, joining our our Celebrate uh, Recovery Ministry or looking into that. Where you can, with other people, begin to unpack and begin to answer the question of why. Why do I think this way? Why do I respond this way? Why do I behave this way? Whatever the issue is at hand, I want to challenge all of you. That if you have a person who uses words recklessly in your life, to take steps now to be vulnerable, to open up, to have a direct conversation, and we are here for you if you need it. Or if you are the person who uses words recklessly, who with your words brings about destruction, I challenge you as well to identify that and to confess that to repent of that and begin to reconcile. Take steps now. Be vulnerable. Open up. We are here for you if you need us. Begin to use your words wisely. Verse 18 finishes, the tongue of the wise brings healing. So this gives us the good news that even though words have the power to destroy, words also have the power to give life. Words also have the power to give life. Saying things like, I'm sorry, that was wrong, I was inappropriate, I crossed a line. These words can begin to bring healing, restoration, and reconciliation. But so can say, saying, I forgive you. Let's work through it. I still love you. These words can begin to break down barriers and allow that restoration to begin as well. These words can be powerful extensions of the grace that Christ has already extended you. 
Now, forgiveness is layered, and it's complex, and it deserves its own sermon, probably its own series. And it is certainly, certainly much easier said than done to talk about forgiveness. But the point is, is that our words have the power to give life. Whether the source of these words that give life come from a stranger or a coworker or a friend or even a spouse, words can breathe new life into us and quench thirsty hearts. A moment ago, I shared about, uh, as a child, being called, uh, being called names. And it was during the same time where, where this was uh, a somewhat consistent theme. I had a teacher in my life. My fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Shallahammer at Moyola Elementary, at a, at a parent-teacher conference, told my mom and told me that I was seen as a leader in our class and that I displayed admirable qualities and, and other kids in the class looked to me as such. Those words gave me life and incredible encouragement. And as an adult, in that same season where I was being told that I was not called to be a pastor, I had numerous students and parents come to me and thank me for being a loving and effective pastor. Words like this give me life. They give us life. They energize us. They encourage us. Mark Twain once said, I can live for two months off of a good compliment. Two months? How about two decades? Mr. Shallahammer said that to me 20 years ago when I was in fifth grade in 1995. Now, if the fact that I was in fifth grade 20 years ago makes you feel old, then I feel old. And if that makes you feel really young, then it still makes me feel really old because I was in fifth grade 20 years ago. Words have incredible power to give life to people. And so I ask you, where do you need to be more life-giving with your words? Do you need to be positive at work or uplifting at home, encouraging with your kids, more gracious with yourself or with others? Maybe you're called upon to have your words initiate the reconciliation process by confessing where your words have brought destruction and have not given life. The reality is is that when we talk about admission of things and confessing things, this is absolutely difficult. It is hard to own up to our wrongdoing and our failures. But James 5.16 instructs, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. John Baker, founder of Celebrate Recovery, offers this commentary on that, on that same passage. He says, God's word tells us that we are to admit our sins to one another. You do this not to receive their forgiveness, for God already forgave you when you confessed your wrongs and sins to him. James says to confess your sins to one another for healing. Sharing our secrets, struggles, and failures with one another is part of God's plan for our healing process. If God is revealing to you that this is a deeper issue, maybe your next step is to join Celebrate Recovery, a ministry that speaks life by their words into so many people here at Beach Point, my wife Caroline included. Our family has been influenced greatly by the life that that this ministry, that the people of this ministry speak into her by their words of grace and truth and love. Because that is part of the nature of words as well. Words, because of their power to destroy and their power to give life, also have power to influence. 
Words have the power to influence. Now, the two sides of the influence coin are closely related. The words you speak influence others, and the words that you hear influence you, affect you, shape you, inform you. Influence can be a tricky thing because there can be situations that you're in where you don't even know that you're influencing others, and you can be in situations where you don't even know that you are being influenced. Words can, can shape us, inform us, influence us in how we raise a family, how we conduct our business, how we treat members of the opposite sex, how we vote, how we think about God himself. Words from friends or parents or, the, or music or media or culture at large inform us and shape us and affect our decision-making, how we look at the world. Words can also influence those around you and how you use your words. And not just influencing how people behave, but how people think of you. Now, I don't say this to bring up the importance of crafting a name for yourself or building your brand in your particular business. But I bring it up to to speak to the importance of, for you Christians, how people think of you, how people think of you can affect how people also think of Christ. And so how we use our words is so very important. Look at some of these adjectives, if you still have your Bibles open, from, from our Proverbs passage. Some of these key adjectives like innocent, wise, prudent, honest, joyful, truthful, trustworthy, righteous, diligent. These attributes are able to bear great witness to the life and person of Jesus Christ and your relationship to him. However, you may be compromising your witness and your Christian credibility by the way that you talk. Just by the way that you talk. But Matt, I don't attack people. I don't, I don't go after them. I don't speak ill will of them. I'm not saying that that's necessarily what, what you are doing or what we can always fall victim to. What if your weak spot, what if your weak spot is not proactively going after people? But it's how you joke in your office to fit into office culture. Or the way that you talk about women with your buddies. Or pass on information or share a prayer request on behalf of someone else. Or the way that you vent to just get stuff off of your chest. Or the way that you externally process and shouldn't be held accountable for what you say. Or the way that you conduct yourself on social media with your posts and the links that you share, not considering how other people may uh, respond or interpret what you're posting. Or how comfortable you are using foul language to be funny or to make a point. Or passive-aggressively using your words to take control of a situation or a person. In all of these situations and, and more, we need to ask, how do our words influence people for the sake of Christ? We must be accountable for how we use our words. I must be accountable. I feel this all the time in how I use my words. I felt the sting of this, of using my words recklessly as a youth pastor. In sarcastic joking, making a comment that hits a little too close to home. Being unintentional about how I talk to a particular student or how I address a topic with insensitivity. We have to be accountable and we have to be thoughtful about how we use our words. And we must understand and embrace that one of the most important things that we have 
as Christians is our witness and our ability to tell other people about the life that we have found in Christ. Our influence must be protected and cultivated. And so I want us to consider the ways in which we are using our influence and the ways in which we need to be course corrected and be open to that specific correction from the Lord. Does your joking need to be more reflective of who Christ is or more reflective of your relationship with him? Do you need to be more gracious with your words towards people when they make mistakes? Does your rough language need to be softened? Do your tweets and retweets need to be different so you can better convey that relationship with Christ so as not to compromise your Christian credibility? Whatever that change may be, I urge you to take steps and be open to that correction, to be open to receive healing and how you use your words to either bring destruction or to give life. But it boiled, this boils down to no matter what kind of changes we make, they will not last long or go very far or mean very much if all we are concerned with is changing our external stuff and not concerned about the internal stuff. God is encouraging us and equipping us and pointing us to something beyond just behavior modification. He is, he is inviting us to total heart change. The reality is that, that when we speak these words, whether they give life or they bring about destruction, they come forth from our deepest selves. From verse 16 that we read, fools show their annoyance at, at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. Verse 20, deceit is in the hearts of those who plot evil, but those who promote peace have joy. If you're plotting evil, scripture says, there is deceit in your heart. If there is annoyance in your words, perhaps there is discord in your heart and something is unsettled. Jesus perhaps makes the point most succinctly. He says in Luke 6, no good tree bears bad fruit nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Our words matter and are a matter of the heart because words reveal your heart. Words reveal your heart, for the mouth speaks, Jesus says, what the heart is full of. When you attack or gossip or cut down or control or brag or cuss or shame or guilt, Scripture points to us that there is something deeper in our hearts that also are reflected in our words. It's a clue that when we speak a certain way, that we've got lust and we've got resentment and anger and envy and pain and insecurity and grief In our hearts. Maybe the words that you are speaking are revealing parts of your heart that you have withheld and tried to hide from God. We are so prone to compartmentalize our lives my work life, my church life, my social life, my sex life. It follows then if that we compartmentalize our lives in all these different things, in all these different places, all these different compartments in our life. If we're doing that, Externally, it would make sense then that internally we are compartmentalizing our heart as well. 
Lord, take my life as it is concerned with my areas of, of greed and anger. But don't take my lust. Lord, be Lord of my life and take over my anger. But allow this part to remain over here. God wants our hearts. He wants to change our hearts in part so that it will overflow into our lives and change how we live so we can live in flourishing in abundance, the very thing that God wants for us as we pursue him and follow him. If we do not open ourselves to God to change us, Scripture says that we will be easily destroyed. We will be easily destroyed if we are not open to adapt and to change as God prescribes. Jesus continues to speak to this idea of being open to what God has for us and being open to implement his words in our lives as the Luke 6 passage continues. Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but it could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. What words does Jesus have for you? What is he saying to you? And more importantly, will you hear it? Will you listen to it? What part of your heart is he still asking for? And will you give it over? Or maybe he's asking still for the whole thing and you have yet to do that. And so will you, will you relent and will you release your heart to him? Could you imagine your family, your relationships, yourself, our church, our community, if we embraced this idea, if we embraced transformation of our words, the healing, the reconciliation, the forgiveness that we would experience individually and corporately would be incredible. It would be a revolution. It would be a revival for Jesus Christ. And the awesome, powerful thing is, is that it wouldn't just be a transformation of our words, but the transformation of their source, our hearts. Our world would look radically different. Our lives would look radically different. Our hearts would look radically different if we opened ourselves up to the person and the power and the words of Christ and allowed him to change us, to transform us. And so as we close in a time of corporate response, as we close in response, I want to encourage you to use your words, even now, internally, or even spoken softly to yourself, to ask the Lord to transform your heart. Ask the Lord to transform your heart. You can bow your heads and close your eyes and speak to him. Ask him to show you where 
your heart needs to be changed. Ask him to begin that work in you. Or maybe you need to start by asking God to show you how it is you actually use your words. Are you using your words recklessly? Or are your words giving life? Or maybe you need to ask God for help in being vulnerable in asking forgiveness of someone. Whatever it is, bring God into the process. You need him, and he wants to walk in it with you.